Hello and welcome to today's podcast. I'm Greg Stinson. I lead our accounting advisory services team here at KPMG. Today, I'm delighted to say we're joined by Jeff Leguay from the FRC and Manisha Sanchun, who leads our corporate reporting team here. They're going to talk about the themes and findings from the FRC's annual corporate reporting review, which was recently published. And we're also going to briefly touch on the latest news on audit and corporate governance reform, including some recent changes and delays, which we're aware of. So Jeff, Manisha, thanks a lot for joining me today. Jeff, can I come, can I come to you first? I know you're going to have a conversation with Manisha around the corporate reporting review, but perhaps just before we get there, can I ask you a couple of questions on audit and corporate governance reform? I know the FRC has given a lot of thought and effort into this. So if I kick off there, the first question I have is, what might our listeners expect when the UK corporate governance code is finalised in January? Uh, well, as you said, Greg, we, we put out that policy statement earlier this month to signal the direction we were going with the revisions to the code. Uh, the purpose of that was to help businesses plan. So ahead of the full publication, which is going to be in the new year, that that consultation exercise, the consultation stakeholder engagement exercise was the biggest the FRC's done. And so having taken on board all that feedback, the main substantive change that we're going to take forward uh, in, in the updated code is essentially the bit around internal controls. That's the, the core of what's going to change. Okay, that's really helpful, Jeff. So the internal controls component will make its way into the final code in January. We'll wait and see what else ends up in there and the nature and form of that internal controls guidance. Okay, maybe a second question. With respect to this delay that I referred to on forming Arga, how does that impact your your work at the FRC? I mean, so so we are completely committed to the corporate governance and audit reform, and we're, we're pleased that the government, and you mentioned the other stakeholders, are also quite supportive of that reform programme as a whole. So we are waiting for legislation. That's, that's to modernise the statutory powers, but we're still working on all the suggestions for improvement that, from the original reviews that we can do with our existing toolkit in terms of our existing powers. So, so just as an example, one example from my team is the recommendation to look at the wider annual report. That was one of the recommendations in the Kingman Review. Uh, we've been doing that. We started reviewing corporate governance disclosures and remuneration reports. So while we might not have certain statutory powers in place, in practice, it's extremely rare that we need to use those powers to get companies to make improvements to their reporting. Um, so another area is on, on transparency. So one of the recommendations was to be transparent about our reviews. So we, we've published now, we now publish case summaries every quarter. So we show the queries that we're raising and how we've concluded. Um, so we have to, because of the current sort of statutory setup ask companies for their consent to publish. But again, virtually all do agree to that. And actually it's clear on our website, the ones that haven't consented. So if investors and other stakeholders want to look any further into it, they can do. So in practice, we've already made quite significant progress. Yeah, okay, thank you, Jeff. So clearly an evolution from, you know, where you were, you know, five years or so ago until when the Argus formed, you know, thanks, thanks for that insight, that's really helpful. Okay, I will now just invite Manisha to um, join Jeff, and um, Manisha, I'll hand over to you. Thanks, Greg. Very useful update there, Jeff. So it's good to hear that FRC is already doing a lot on a voluntary basis to help companies improve their reporting, to effectively help them provide more transparent and and useful uh, information to the readers. Uh, maybe let's, uh, if we start by looking at some of the key themes and findings from the latest FRC's review of corporate reporting. So there, the report says that 263 companies were reviewed in this cycle, and that's uh, an increase from last year. 
And if my numbers are right, around 112 companies received a substantive letter from the FRC. So these are those where FRC have written to companies to ask for more information to be able to assess the reporting. And uh, 25 of those companies reviewed had to restate their accounts. Also, what that report highlights is that it, uh, two out of five of the companies reviewed were actually outside the FTSE 350. So these included uh, AIM-listed companies, large private companies. So the scope is, is not limited only to large listed companies. Jeff, perhaps if, if we could start by you sharing some of the key findings from, from that review. Sure, thanks, thanks Manisha. So, so every year we put out this report and we give some transparency of the top 10 areas where we've challenged companies and their reporting in the year, so where we've asked them questions. And also where we feel companies should be focusing going forward to avoid getting a letter from the FRC. So the, the, the top 10 are in the report, the top 10 areas, um, and they're also in the slide resources that I think are in this, uh, the, the resource of this presentation and we circulate it afterwards. But if I just give you the kind of headlines, the top three issues in our in our top 10 were impairment, uh, judgments and estimates and cash flow statements. Uh, it's a fairly similar list to previous years. Things move around uh, year on year, so there's some movements. Um, but alternative performance measures have dropped out of our top 10 for the first time in years, which is something that we're, we're pleased to see some progress there. Uh, TCFD disclosures, they don't appear in our top 10. Uh, so we, we've seen quite varied levels of maturity on those disclosures. Um, but, but the reason they don't appear in our top 10 is that it's really because the initial approach we've taken there. Um, but the report gives, gives a little bit more detail and it signals a ramping up of, of our approach in terms of TCFD's disclosures. Uh, we also talk about a common theme of getting reporting on uncertainty, right? So that underpins, I think, about five of our, our top 10 issues. So things like impairment, recoverability of deferred tax provisions, these are all related to reporting on uncertainty. And there's also a common thread of consistency. So we pick up many of our issues because we can see something in one part of the report that doesn't tie to what's been reported somewhere else. Consistency of information. Actually, that's that's an interesting area and that's an area that uh, some of my clients find challenging. And they're the challenges because as teams separate to the finance team working on the financial statements, work on narrative reporting, and uh, the message doesn't necessarily flow to the back half. And my advice to my clients has been to have regular dialogue with the team working on the front half, uh, to understand throughout the year the key messages so that then they can reflect it uh, appropriately in the back half. And also having someone who is less involved in the accounts preparation to have to step back and have a detailed read of the whole annual report to be able to, to identify those inconsistencies and help to, to get to a clearer, connected and consistent message throughout. So definitely consistency, a theme we are seeing as well. Uh, Jeff, would you mind sharing some examples of inconsistencies that FRC has identified from its review? Yes, yeah, so, sure. So generally, it's something in the annual report, the narrative reporting in the front that doesn't seem to be consistent with the accounting or the disclosures in the back end. And that could be all kinds of things. Most commonly, it's a, it's a major uncertainty or a forward looking development being discussed in the front end, whether that's something like a transformation program or a change in strategy or you know something internal to the business. But it could also be talking about external uncertainties, things like market growth or commodity prices or ex expectations of, of something changing externally. 
So what you get is it's, it's clear that management has had to take a position on what is going to happen on, on some of those matters to feed through to various numbers in the back end, for example, provisions or asset carrying values. When we move to the back and we look at judgments and estimates or impairments disclosures, we can't see the disclosure that there is a judgment or estimation or potentially what that position is and the impact on the accounts, or potentially it's just inconsistent with what we can see in the narrative. And that, so that's the sort of forward-looking things, one area. Other areas, um, information about major transactions that might be an acquisition or even things like share buybacks we've seen that doesn't tie through to what the accounting, what, what's in the, in the back end in the notes. And also dis discussion about the structure of operations in the narrative that doesn't seem to be consistent with something like maybe segment reporting or the cash generating units used in the impairment model in the in the back end. So as you say, it's probably where different different parts are drawn up by different teams, but we emphasize the need to have that review across the whole report because that's what we do and, and that, that's where we find problems. And, and you presumably will get the same challenges from investors where there are two stories in the front end and, and the back end. Thanks, Jeff. Very useful content for, for our audience there. Uh, if I move to significant estimates, so in the latest report, FRC noted that there are some cases where the information disclosed is not sufficient. Would you be able to share with us what information a good quality disclosure of significant estimates should include? Yes, we, we quite often get asked for examples of what, what good disclosures look like. And we do put out these thematic reviews and there is one on, on judgments and estimates specifically. And that's got some some best practice examples. But, but to sort of summarise, so um, IS1 requires companies to disclose estimates which have got a significant risk of material adjustment in the next year. So the first thing is to make sure that note picks up all of those points meeting that definition and only those points, not a list of anything with some uncertainty. So there are some very good disclosures which separate those key issues from other uncertainties. But we do see issues with, with companies rolling forward judgments and estimates disclosures. So rolling forward things that are no longer material or, or, or missing things that have become material. Uh, you then need to disclose the values of those assumptions, which, which many don't. And that's where, where quite a lot of our issues are picked up. Um, and also enough information to help users understand the impact of those. So typically that's going to be sensitivity analysis or a range of reasonably possible outcomes to fully understand the implications of taking one particular position if there's a range. And the last point would be to make sure that the range of reasonably possible outcomes makes sense when you're doing those sensitivities. So a sensitivity of up more, you know, plus or minus 1% may not be reasonable if the value of the assumption itself has moved 3% in the last year, say. And that's particularly relevant when you've got higher, more volatile values for, for the assumptions and areas, particularly inflation and interest rates that we're seeing at the moment have been higher absolute values and, and more volatility. Thank, thank you, Jeff. So cash flow statement, so that continues to be in the top 10 areas where, where issues are being found. Why do you think cash flows continues to be where you pick uh, significant issues and what, what specific uh, tips would you have for our audience today? Sure. So, um, so it has improved a little bit this year. Last year it was particularly bad. It's a little bit, but it's a little bit better, but it's still in our, I think our number three issue. And it's an area of real frustration for us because it's one of the it's one of the most common areas where companies actually have to make a restatement of a primary primary statement. And we are picking up the issues essentially from, from basic checks, from desktop reviews without looking under the hood at all and knowing any further information. So the issues we're finding are things like cash flows being in the wrong heading, um, non-cash movements in the cash flow, uh, netting, movements not tying to the movements we can see on, on other notes. And so the simple answer seems to be really a better pre-issuance review of the cash flow. Um, so companies and auditors doing the checks that, that we do. 
Now, we, we, we've done a thematic review of, of cash flow and liquidity about recently. And in that, we've got our checklist of, of the points we look at. Um, so to avoid a letter and a, you know, potentially a restatement here, the best advice is to make sure that that level of, of pre-issuance review is being built into the process and also sort of being done at an appropriately rigorous level. Thanks, Jeff. Actually, this is consistent with what we are also seeing in practice. So where we've supported companies with their annual report and accounts, uh, a robust thorough review of, uh, of the disclosures actually do unpick a lot of issues that are in the FRC report. If, if I move to TCFD, so TCFD is not in your top 10 uh, in the latest report. Does it mean that you're not finding issues uh, on TCFD? So, so the top 10, the way we, we report that in the report, it covers the areas where we ask a substantive question and we ask companies to respond to that. So this review year, the one that we, we've put in this report, was year one of the Comply or Explain reporting by premium listed companies. And so we work really hard with the FCA to make sure we're being proportionate and we're supporting companies in bringing up the quality of reporting. So where we found issues in many cases, we wrote with an observation, what we call an appendix letter, rather than requiring a response. That's why it's in the not, not in the top 10. But we did see really quite a range of reporting there and we've raised quite a few issues. Now, normally in these reports, we just focus on the areas where we've asked substantive questions. But in this year's report, we've given some visibility of those other observations to help companies and their advisors see where the issues are. So the key things we saw really were um, the statements of consistency. So it's a, a complier explain rule, but some of those statements weren't there or they weren't clear or they were saying a disclosure had been complied with, but then we couldn't find it. <clears throat> and on the disclosures themselves, um, we saw a lot more issues on strategy and on metrics and targets than on the governance and risk management side, which is probably what you might expect because they need more data analysis. So certainly um, in this review year, <clears throat> and going forward, we're more likely to ask questions on this. But we are Thank seeing you. issues, yeah. Thank you, Jeff. So there's a lot to, uh, for companies to focus on in the next TCFD report then. Um, so a lot of our audience today are likely to be preparing for the upcoming reporting cycle. Jeff, can you share from your point of view what's the most important information to investors and what our preparers <coughs> should focus on? Yeah, so, so we pull out again in this report, and I think it's in the slide deck where we, we sort of see the areas of focus for this next reporting season. I pull out a few of those. So I think certainly reporting on uncertainty, um, being transparent, giving clear information about assumptions. In the strategic report, making sure you're properly describing the risks, the strategy, the business model, and trying to avoid clutter. And it's, it's difficult with all of the overlapping requirements, but trying to avoid that and focus on how the business generates money. Um, the lab, the financial reporting lab, recently put out a, a report on materiality, which, which focuses on what investors have told us they see is important. And many of those comments really are focused particularly on strategic reports. Uh, TCFD, another area of focus, there's a lot more experience on TCFD, and better practice out there. So we are more likely to ask questions. We've, we've raised the threshold. There are also these new Companies Act CFD rules. I don't know if we'll, we'll hear about those later on, but they are they are mandatory uh, climate-related financial disclosures. They're going to be new for some companies, but they've also got some challenges they're bringing for companies that are already doing TCFD. Um, so that's an area of focus. And finally, the critical review at, at two levels. So first of all is this pre-issuance technical review to pick up those cash flow and presentation type points. But secondly, a sort of standing back review, reading across the report, looking at overall communication and the messaging and the consistency between the parts of the report. 
Thanks, Jay. So what I'm hearing is transparency is key, especially in this uncertain economic climate. And if, if I pick up on uh, on your point on uh, FRC lab report on materiality, I found the publication very useful. It, it focuses uh, on from the investor's lens and um, also it builds on the FRC's report, uh, what makes a good annual report and accounts published last year. And and we have been helping companies improve the annual report and accounts. So we've been helping companies uh, make the story clearer, take out immaterial information, irrelevant information, identify where information is unclear. And in in doing so, yes, companies have achieved a, a more transparent short-term message, but it has also provided opportunities for companies. So from our experience, it, it, companies have been able to step back and reassess, okay, what's my business model? What are, what are my key value drivers? Do, me, do they remain the right ones? What are the risks? What are the KPIs? And, and in, in some cases, it has led to improvements across the related controls, governance, and, and, um, and processes. So, so there's a lot that, that companies can do to prepare for, for the upcoming year end. But I guess just to summarize uh, what, what we've been saying here, stepping back, looking what's, what's disclosed, looking at the key points in the FRC report would, would definitely be a plus and a must, if I say. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you, Venetia. That's a fantastic conversation. Unfortunately, that's all we've got time for today. Let me share my key takeaways from, from listening to that conversation. I think, first of all, transparency is absolutely key in this uncertain economic environment. So please ensure that your related disclosures provide clear, sufficient information for stakeholders. The second thing is undertake a detailed review to consider whether the annual report on accounts as a whole is clear, concise, understandable and addresses these common issues that Jeff's been referring to. And finally, the FRC on its transition to Arga is already doing a lot on a voluntary basis. Consider the different observations raised across the board and particularly in areas like TCFD, which have been called out as areas for improvement. We've got many more great guests in future episodes who are passionate about high quality reporting, ESG and technology. So please do subscribe to our podcast and get alerted when new episodes are published. Thank you very much and goodbye for now. We can endlessly debate about our future, but now is the time to stop talking and start doing. ESG, environmental, social and governance, embeds positive impact into our actions, not just around climate change, but the whole fabric of society. At KPMG, we have the knowledge, ability and experience to guide business leaders to drive real change. ESG is now. Are you with us? Search KPMG ESG to find out more.